In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The English language is truly a marvel. It is full of words that convey drama and action, emotions and feelings, history, expectation, hope, and many other things as well. Yes, of course, all languages do this to an extent, but English is unique among all the Indo-European languages in the way it conveys what the speaker or writer wants to say. Borrowing from a number of different languages, from Greek and Latin to German and Norse, English is a literal melting pot of vocabulary, the invasions of people conquering the British Isles, and creative writing and usage that sometimes means that, unlike French or German, English speakers have dialects and inflections even within the language of English. Just think about words that we use here that people in England or New Zealand or Ireland would not know or would use entirely differently. We say windshield instead of windscreen or flashlight instead of torch. Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw is recorded as remarking that the citizens of the United States and those of the United Kingdom were two nations divided by a common language. But one problem that all English speakers face is when we talk about certain words or words that describe an emotion, many times our language is inadequate. Language doesn't quite fulfill its role, and we start describing what we feel or mean instead of actually expressing it. One word that runs up against this shortcoming is love. Now that might seem rather strange, that a word that we use to express some of our most intimate feelings, and also a word that describes a relationship between one person and another, or a person and a group, or even two groups of seemingly unconnected people, can fall short. In Greek, which is the language of the New Testament, there are actually seven different forms of the word love. Of those seven, three find places of prominence in the Gospels and Epistles. Realizing this and being aware that love is not always the same emotion or the same feeling can help us when we come to passages like this letter from St. John and we can begin to understand better what is being said. The word for love in this passage is the form and derivatives of agape, which is the most used form of love in the New Testament. Now, agape love is a very specific form of love, and it implies a certain relationship with the giver of love and the receiver of it. It generally is seen as the purest form of love, the most exalted love that there is. There is a universality to agape love, 
and it is the unconditional love that is present regardless or perhaps in spite of the circumstances the giver finds himself in. Agape love in our Christian sense is also seen as that love that finds its source in God as emanating from the triune God. It is self-sacrificing love. It seeks the best for every person in every conceivable circumstance. And it's that love that we quote so often when we speak of God's love for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. The word for love is agape. And when Jesus speaks of someone laying down his life for his friends, and he says, greater love hath no man than this. In John 15, 13, it is once again this agape love that Jesus is referring to. And now, once again, St. John in this epistle uses that word over and over and over again, and it is agape love every time we read it in this passage. So what does this mean? And how do we come to a more complete understanding of what we are to do? Let's start with thoughts about what is unconditional love. Now remember, we are not talking about unconditional love in an intimate relationship like parent and child or husband and wife or perhaps even best friends who are as close as family. We are talking more about a globally focused unconditional love. A love that begins to look beyond those whom we know and seeks to love those whom we do not know. And it is sacrificing love. It is looking at those people whom we do not know, looking at the world and also seeing, truly seeing where it is that we are called to make things better, make things more whole for that person and everyone, every person in the whole of creation is afforded this love. St. John says that God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in him. Another way of saying that is the essence of God is love, or love is the nature of God. And when we really come to examine why creation exists or why God even created this universe, this world, even created you and me, it is because of an outpouring of love, an outpouring of God's own self. As Christians, 
we all have an absolutely unmistakable calling to engage in this agape love. We all, no matter of where we are or what our status is or even how long we have been Christians, we all have a responsibility to love one another. If you love me, you will obey my commands. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. If there is this love among you, then all will know that you are my disciples. It is not an option. It is not a matter of feeling like loving today and not tomorrow, nor is it even a choice between loving this person over that one. Our primary command from our blessed Lord is to love. And it is difficult. It is hard. It is not easy, and it is not even gratifying sometimes. Love in this agape way is more than having a warm feeling. It is the love that makes our hands dirty, our feet sore, and our bodies ache because the work doesn't end. And even people who we are highly opposed to perhaps even told that we should hate, are not out of reach of Christ's saving embrace, which means that they are not out of ours either. And it is all around us, and examples abound all over the place. There is the Black Lives Matters, and the Blue Lives Matter and the All Lives Matter movements, and they are all right. Those lives do matter. However, until we learn to look at each other, each individual person, as people created in the image of God, and learn to love as Christians, each person with this self-sacrificing, unconditional love, to love people the same way that God loves people. It doesn't matter who we march with or who we stand with, because we are to love all people. But what about Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Ted Cruz or Nancy Pelosi? Pick your politician at will. Or what about the Chinese or the Iranians or the person who vandalized a church in London last Sunday. 
or the man who killed a Christian in Egypt a few weeks ago while screaming, Allahu Akbar. Or the person who fired us from our last job. Or the spouse who decided that they didn't love you anymore. Or the woman who gave your son his first shot of a methamphetamine. And now he's on his fifth trip to a rehabilitation facility. Or the man who killed your child because he was driving while drunk. The gospel of Christ, the good news is this love, and it is radical. The world says to hate your enemies. The world says to take up arms against anyone who opposes you. The world says that you need to hate those politicians you don't agree with. The world says you need to destroy anyone who hurts you or opposes you or is different than you. But Jesus says you are to love them, agape love them, radically love them. The church in London that was vandalized a week ago their first service afterwards was on Monday. And it was a service dedicated to prayer for the man who violated their house that he might repent and come to know the love of God. That is radical love of Christ in prayer. That's not the way of the world. There is a striking video from October 2019 of a black man whose brother had been killed by a police officer in Dallas. And it was a mistake. It was a, mis it was a bad shooting. The officer was taken to trial and found guilty. And at the sentencing, the brother of that person wanted to know if he could hug the person who killed his brother because he wanted the officer to know that he forgave her. That is the radical love of Christ in action and not the way of the world. We are in deeply distressing and disturbing times, both as a nation and in the world. Sometimes it seems like the darkness is closing in. When you think about it, there is not any major institution that is not rattled by strife or distrust or corruption of some sort. 
nations battle over land and tariffs and borders. The Holy Church of God is beset by scandals and child abuse and even perverting the gospel. Cities in these United States are continuing to see riots over issues of race. These acts of violence against our neighbors, our fellow man, and against the Holy Church are not rooted in love, but in anger, in hate, in fear, or in selfish ambition. As this darkness seems to grow around us, ever circling closer in, it is now that we must shine all the brighter with the light of Christ. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Christina Rossetti wrote a Christmas poem that has now become a hymn that is sung each year. In the last stanza, Rossetti says this, Love shall be our token. Love be yours and love be mine. Love to God and neighbor, love for plea and gift and sign. My dear friends, let the love of God be your token. In this world that so desperately is crying out for relief, that longs and groans for the restoration of creation that is beset by anger, hate, and fear. And it's unleashed with appalling frequency. Let the love of God, the agape love for our neighbors, this self-sacrificing love that is radical and counter to this world, let that love be the token we each take up in this world and pass on to all those we meet.